So good morning, my name is Timothy. For all of those here and all of those online, my wife is watching online with two sick kiddos at home. Hey guys, I hope you're listening to your mom. We're watching you. So uh, in the last time I preached, I did dress up. There's no dress up today, I'm sorry guys. But we will address the elephant in the room. I'm, I'm almost 40, I still got a year and a bit to go. But yes, these are real glasses, unfortunately. I will not be able to see the, that's not funny. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> So yes, I'm getting older, I need glasses, and I'm even rocking Eddie Bauer. So I'm well on my way to be like Mark Batten. So we're all, we're all doing good here today. Marco sends his love. He's on a plane on his way to Dallas, on his way to Israel to uh, tour that wonderful, great area with a bunch of other church leaders. So he'll be gone for the next little while. Keep him and those guys in your prayers. That'll be great. Alrighty, so today I have the privilege and the pleasure of being able to talk about community as a kingdom value. Now, when I started this, preparing for this preach, because we actually do this, whether we do this with believers or non-believers, we live this out so often in our lives, sometimes I think we actually just forget about it, if that makes sense. And I was like, this will be an easy one to prepare, right? I had this on my heart for a while. I was like, I'll get this done. I was up till one o'clock finishing this last night because God changed a few things and it was far more in-depth and complicated, and just the greatness of it that we will see in a little bit than just simply how, hey, we all get to live and do life together. And so, you know, Kat leading the meeting, her and I haven't spoken at all about my notes. We could have just closed the meeting after that song. A lot of what Kat said about it was exactly what we're going to touch on, but it's amazing how God works in community, right? How we see all the different aspects of how what Kat leading the meeting, what God put on her heart, what God puts on my heart, the songs that we're singing all tie together. And you know that has nothing to do with us, not at all in any shape, way, or form. That is because we serve a wonderful, caring God, and he is the center of what unites us as a community. So as we start looking at communities, we're going to look at my favorite animal first. This is my favorite animal. Ryan will know what this is. Some of the other Africans will know what this is. This is an African wild dog. This is my favorite animal. It's called a painted wolf, and I'll tell you why I like them. So they, they say in packs of about one to two dozen, and they'll often spend most of their life together. As more and more puppies are born, especially females, they will end up leaving and going and help start or bolster and grow other packs. But as a rule, generally, once they go and they join one, they stay together with them their whole life. They're united around three really f common things. That's eating, raising puppies, or the next generation, and survival. Well, African wild dogs, funny enough, are only found in Africa. <laughs> yeah, you thought I was going to go somewhere different with that, didn't you? <laughs> no, they're only in Africa. In different parts, southern and northern Africa, and they live in very dry and arid and sometimes tough-to-hunt regions. However, they're one of the most successful hunting packs out there, right? So wolves, a wolf pack taking out an elk, their success rate is generally one out of five. Okay, so when lionesses go hunting, because in the animal kingdom, the lionesses go hunting and bring the male lions their food. Their success, the lionesses' success rate is about 30% or less. African wild dog success rate when they hunt as a pack is 80 to 90%. They're one of the th top three most successful uh, pack hunting animals. 
And that's put down to, as funny as it sounds, they work really, really well as a team. I know you look at those little faces and you can put little personalities and voices to them and they're all little talking and planning, but that's how it goes, right? They know how to plan an attack. They orchestrate their charge. They have different people set, people, <laughs> different wild dogs set around the areas. They come in and they cause confusion and they drive and isolate those ones that they want to the team that will end up killing them. And then they, that's how they carry on and survive. Now, there's several lessons we can learn from this. One is more is accomplished together than separate. All right? They are successful because they hunt as a group, they live together as a group, they do life together as a group. Everything that they're doing, they do together. Communication is key. Even though they don't talk, they still communicate with one another about when to charge, who's got to go where, what needs to happen. And in my head, it, it gets translated in English, and I'm sure they actually do talk to one another, so that's fine. <laughs> they have a plan or a vision of how they want to survive, how they look after the young ones, how they hunt, all those different steps. I said it before, they do life together, they're in a community, and their greatest weapon when they hunt is that they know how to isolate and to kill. Okay, so the biology lesson is done for today. We'll close that. We're gonna come back and touch on those, but keep them in your mind as they hunt and move and as we look through what we're going to look through today. Let me start with a prayer, and then we'll get going. Lord, we just say thank you that we get to uh, look at community. Lord, sometimes I think we take that aspect for granted, and we don't realize how powerful of a, of a kingdom value it actually is. You sent Jesus to die on the cross to restore community and relationship back to you when we were isolated and separated from you right back in the Garden of Eden. Your whole plan and purpose has been to be united with us, to live in community with us, Lord. So help us to live in community with one another and to take your heart to the communities where you've placed us. In Jesus' name, amen. So what is community? There's not going to be a whole lot of slides. Like I said, I finished this at 1 o'clock last night. There's going to be a bunch of Bible verses. If something doesn't come up, it's okay. Don't worry. They're, they're doing 100% the, the right job. So what is community? It's very interesting. It's a common unity, okay, when you think about what the word looks like. A unified body of individuals, people with common interests living in a particular area, a group of people with common characteristics or interests living together with a larger society. The point is community is unified around a central love, belief, or passion in whatever we look like. Right, so whether you're a gamer, it could be gaming, running, biking. This is for Mike Marty, Kansas City Chiefs, <laughs> or maybe the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't know, it depends on who you want to go for, right? Super Bowl Sunday. But it's the passion and it's the belief and it's the, the love around that thing that draws us all together in the different communities that we're a part of. And sometimes we are a part of multiple communities with different overlap. I think the greatest thing that unifies us as believers and should be able to be taken out to the communities where we live and replicated is Jesus. He needs to be the very center of every single thing that we do. So would you mind turning with me to Acts chapter 4 and verse 32. We're going to read a few things and make some comments. It says, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. 
and no one said that any of the uh, any of the things that belonged to him was his own but they had everything in common and with great power the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all there was not a needy person among them so now in my original preach when I had this planned out this was a moment where I was going to start commenting about this we were going to look at the different verses and all these different things and God laid on my heart to go in a slightly different direction and I can see Mark starting to sweat going oh boy what's this guy up to now now don't panic we're still going to stay with community but God I had the opportunity to preach a message about community to another church last year and as I was preparing this God said I want you to look at these areas so what we're going to look at first is what I call community killers, right? What is the one thing that can kill community of believers? And that is isolation. And I think in this day and in this age, whether it's a product of COVID or just the way society is developing and going, everybody's moving online, isolation is far more volatile than we think it is. Yes, it's great to have time alone or time away or just to be at peace. But to be fully isolated will eventually lead to death, which is exactly how those wild dogs hunt. They hunted by isolating those out, and a lot of pack animals do that. They isolate the weaker ones or just isolate a group, and then they're easier to take out. And as a community of believers, we need to be on our guard against isolation. So Acts 4 spoke about how it was one heart, and it was that one heart was unified around the testimony of who the Lord Jesus Christ was. So who he was, why he came, and what he did was what unified the believers of that day and unifies us today and needs to continue to unify us. Remember, God sent his son because he desires community with us, and we now have the privilege of being able to say we are in communion with him, but there are many others out there that do not have that privilege. And it is our role, we're being equipped today and as we meet in life groups and as we meet in 620 students or Fight Club or Key Women to be equipped to go out and affect the community that God has put us into. I read this stat online in several different places. I'm not saying it's 100% verified by all the different churches in the world, but there are about 4,500 churches closed a year which I find shocking. It's because believers become isolated. Churches become isolated on their own. And then the devil comes in and splits. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It's interesting. I know some of us manly men here, Mark, would say that it's really sometimes a bummer to have to be referenced as sheep. Why couldn't we could be the lions of God or, you know, instead of his herd or tribe or whatever it is? pack but we are the sheep and we sheep are very easily scared they're not absolutely high on the iq level when it comes to just handling lots of situations and when you think about it i'm not saying any of us are low on the iq banner here however uh, yeah but you're you're a manly man you're not you're not you're not low on the iq scale mark no but when it comes to think about how we react when pressure comes when the devil tries to come when we start to begin believe lies or when tough situations come, we can often panic and run. And the devil uses that to destroy the unity that we have. 
So what are some of the ways we see isolation happening or what are some ways isolation happens? The first one I'm going to look at is listening to different people's voices. And you're going to be like, what? We'll get there. So in 1 Samuel 15, this is the account of how Saul eventually loses the throne. The Lord rejects him because of a mistake he makes. And we'll read, and let's read this. So in verse 1, it says, And Samuel said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people Israel. Now therefore, listen to the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I have noted what Amalek did to Israel, opposing them on the way when they came out of Egypt. Now go and strike Amalek and devote to destruction all they have. Do not spare them. Kill both man and woman, child, infant, ox, sheep, camel, and donkey. So the the command is clear what he has to do, right? I often think of, hey, kids, go sweep the kitchen, and you walk in there and, you know, the kitchen is swept, but it doesn't look like it's been swept. Did you sweep it? Yeah, yeah, I just swept over there. Well, no, that's, that's not, not what it means. So what is happening here is Saul is being given a command to go and do this. It's not hard to understand. Just go and do it. Verse 8, so they goes, he defeats it, and then it says, and he took Agag, the king of the Amalek, Amalekites alive and devoted destruction all the people on the edge of the sword but Saul and the people spared Agog and the best of the sheep it later on goes to say they destroyed all the worthless ones and it says the word of the Lord came to Samuel and he, the, the Lord said that he regretted making Saul king and it's just kind of interesting if you think about what's going on there Saul gets a command either he didn't tell his people or he was easily swayed and we'll see that answer here shortly but they only destroyed the stuff that they didn't want, and they kept all the good stuff. In verse 13, and, Saul came, and Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed be the Lord, blessed be you to the Lord. I performed the commandment of the Lord. So now Saul is fully convinced that he did what he was told to do, right? Fully convinced. And Samuel said, What then is the bleeding of the sheep in my ears, the lowing of the oxen that I hear? And Saul said, I've brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best. And they spared that so that they could sacrifice it to God. So now Saul is using or justifying or saying the Lord would want us to do this. You know, we want to give all this good stuff to the Lord. But that was not the command that was happening. And Saul says, I have obeyed, uh, verse 18. And the Lord sent him on a, the Lord God sent you on a mission and said, go devote to destruction all the sinners. Right? He did not do that. Verse 20, And Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone out on the mission on which the Lord sent me. I have brought Agag, the king of, of the Amalekites, back. And I have devoted them to destruction. And the people took of the spoils. And they did all of this so they could sacrifice it to the Lord. This is where that scripture comes from where it says, The Lord desires obedience over sacrifice. And then in verse 24, eventually Saul realizes it and he says, I have sinned and transgressed the commandment of the Lord, the word and your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. And so I say all this and now everybody's kind of going, I have no idea how this relates to community. How is he going to tie this in? It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But here's the catch. Community is made up of people. And so the best way to destroy community is to isolate people. And what I believe we as communities of believers need to be on our guard today 
is the different voices that we are listening to that are around out there in the world. Karen and I had the opportunity, we were in a church in South Africa, we could have done this better, right? We had a, there was a group of friends and they got into some weird doctrine and because they were friends, we hung out with them and all of a sudden, because that's all we were listening to, we began to believe that. And for a little while, we walked away from where we were and we were out of fellowship for many, many years. Sorry, that's, that's too many many's, maybe three or four years. But it was a dark and a tough time, all because we decided to listen to voices of not truth. We live in a society today where we can get every single, and I'm not preaching against any preachers, hear me, is we can get a whole lot of noise or scripture or um, teachings or books right at our fingertips on our phones or put straight into our ears. And my caution is, and I felt God really impressed this on my heart, I've really had to check who I listen to, and there is no rule of who you need to listen to or what percentage or how that needs to look. But I just caution us as believers, make sure we know who we're listening to and what they believe. There's no rule against what we listen to, but we need to know who we are listening to. Do we understand that not all Christians preach correct doctrine? Right? We are blessed in this community to have three wonderful elders and their wives, and their role as elders is to set the doctrine of this church. If we have questions, because we're in community, we get to come and talk to them about it. And they can help us see what the correct doctrine is or work it out or explain it. But that's the benefit of being in community. So how dangerous is it when people are not in community like that? We've seen friends in South Africa and around the world believe certain things that go off and now they're living very different lives than what they would be if they had stuck to and continued their life in community. The benefit community of believers located in a local church with biblical governing is that we get to work out our issues together. And like Kat said when she opened the meeting, that's where some of us go, oh, no, it's okay. I don't want to work out my issues. Sorry, I don't want to work out my issues. I don't want to be open. But we have to be. I don't necessarily want to say the strength of the community is as strong as its weakest link, but there is some of that essence that is in there. If we have issues, let's work them out together and grow our community. Another area is that we, we need to be on our guard are the lies of the devil. Mark actually mentioned this when he prayed. The kingdom of darkness is out there to not get us to succeed. And one of the best ways it gets us to succeed is to believe we are succeeding. But when we look back or when we realize or Lord willing come to it, realize we have been going down a road that was not correct. So in the Garden of Eden, the snake told Eve, surely you will not die. Now, physically, she didn't drop dead. So this is that moment where there's a story that comes back to me, and she's watching online now. I was sitting in a separate room. Somebody had drawn all over the fridge, right? And Carrie came in and said, hey, said child, did you draw on the fridge today? And the child said, no. Now I'm a guy. I've lived a little bit of a rebellious life. So I shouted from the other room, you need to ask her if she ever drew on the fridge. Don't be so specific. And we found out that she drew on the fridge the day before. <laughs> so technically she told the truth to the exact question that she was being asked, but overall it was a lie. Same issue here. Satan took a truth, so, so she did not physically die, but spiritually we all died in that moment. 
Now, she would not have immediately felt that, if, well, they immediately felt the effect of when they realized, oh, their eyes were open, but they did not immediately feel the effect of that death. We immediately feel that effect of that death. And so we, as a group of believers, as a community together, need to stand our ground against the lies of the evil one, against shame, against the lies that are being spoken to over people of condemnation, of their identity is another big one that's under attack. As believers, we are Christ's, and he is ours. I'm, this, I'm just going to say this. Um, I don't have an answer for this, but I wonder how many ent- mental illnesses out there are technically demons lying to people rather than actually mental illnesses. Community is a place where we can share and be open with one another and not be alone. And the problem is, and like I said, which is what's amazing about the community we're a part of, as Kat led, she she mentioned this thing about how we don't want to be open because we think nobody cares, nobody will understand, no one else is going through this, nobody deserves, I mean, I deserve this, I'm such and such, all these different lies that are being told to us. We have to stop believing the lies of the evil one. And we have to step out, break through that barrier, and do life together. If you've never let anyone into your heart or pass the walls of pain and hurt, you will walk a very lonely road. I was a master at building walls. I'm a wall-building machine. So one of my guys, so we are potentially sometimes a little bit more emotionless, but just in the past hurts that I've had and pains and issues I have had in my own life, I was very good at being very emotionless and just building up walls and now truly sharing how certain things made me feel. And in that, I caused catastrophic damage to my family that God has righted, but it was a whole road that never had to be walked if I just simply o- opened up and allowed people in and shared where I was and, what, I was do- and what, was, what was happening to me. Don't keep it all alone. You don't walk the road alone. Look at all the believers in the room together. So you have to think, as a community of believers here, we don't walk the road alone, but what are unbelievers doing? Right? They do have camaraderie and they do share and people do get let in. But if Christ isn't at the center, there's no real true healing. And it is our role and command to go out there and take Christ. The last way that we see isolation happen is through unforgiveness and bitterness. When we get offended, we put up walls. When we get offended, issues happen. We stew on it. We get bitter. Unforgiveness is drinking poison, hoping the other person dies, right? And the reason I think we in churches struggle so much with unforgiveness is Matthew 18 says, if somebody sins against you, you go to them. But in our mind, we're like, I didn't mess up. Why am I the one going? They should be coming to me, right? And as long as you stay like that, unforgiveness turns into bitterness And I promise you it will drive you out of the life of where you find yourself. It's an extremely, extremely volatile and destructive poison. I've had to wrestle with a lot of these. Um, I'm I'm quite a forgiving person, but I can get, despite what you may see, I used to be able to get quite offended quite quickly. Or, hey, if it didn't go my way, the way I wanted it to work out, oh, then I have an issue, oh, whatever, bitterness, uh, unforgiveness. And then you just become a sour person to be around. And eventually you're not around. Right? And that's the point. 
The devil wants to isolate and drive away and split a wedge as best as it can between any community of believers that he can. Now, this message is not all doom and gloom or all what we've just gone through. I want to look at two great ways of how we can see communities grow and strengthen each other and how we need to do what God God has called us to do. So what gives a community of believers strength? It's knowing Christ. Right? Acts 2 and 4, at the end of Acts 2 and 4, we see that their unity was around that of who Jesus was. They were breaking bread. They were praying with one another. They were um, sharing his te- the testimony of who Jesus was. Knowing Christ is our strength as a community of believers. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, 37. And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. 1 Peter 2. Verse 5, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ. 1 Peter 2 verse 9, we are a holy race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession. Even though, well, put it this way, community would be real easy. Church would be super easy. My dad used to be a Methodist minister for many, many years, and he used to tell me this, and we laughed often at it. Church would be amazing if you just removed all the people. There would be no issues. You'd never have an issue. You wouldn't have church. But that's the thing. Community is what make people is what makes up community. And we each and every one of us has some baggage we're carrying or some wart or some issue that we have on our shoulder that we're still working through, trying to figure out, trying to get over. But if we keep Christ at the center, we have the ability to. Now, a community of believers does not exist solely for each other, right? The love it has for Jesus and Jesus himself is is so that Jesus can send us out into the communities that we find ourselves in, whatever that may be. And some of those communities are not going to be all Christian. And we get that. And remember, we're not here to make all people Christian. We're here to get people to understand who Christ is. Jesus does the saving, right? And so wherever we find ourselves, if we're in a gaming community, a running community, whatever different kind of community we find ourselves, our goal is to take a meeting like today and what we do in our communities and our life groups together, empower ourselves and go out there and share Jesus. Do you know why the Dead Sea is called the Dead Sea? Yeah, it's amazing. That's right. Because it's dead is the first answer. (laughs) Nothing can live in it. And the second is the Dead Sea has no outlet. Water only comes in. And that's what happens to us. So we can all sit together and go, hey, all we want to do, and there's nothing wrong with worshiping and praying to God and doing all of those things. It's a hundred, I mean, the worship we had here today, we could do forever. It's fantastic. But that is not the sole reason we as a community of believers exist. So we come together, we strengthen one another, we focus on Christ, he unifies us. And all of that is for this next point. And that's what is the purpose of community is to make Christ known. That's why we are here. So Matthew 22, and he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, 
and your soul. And that's the first and the great commandment, right? And the second one is love your neighbor as yourself. Have you ever actually thought about what that means? It doesn't mean just love your neighbor. It means love the neighbor as much as you love yourself. And some of us, I think all of us in certain areas, love ourselves pretty good. Do we love our neighbors in the same way? Matthew 28, 18 talks about the Great Commission. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. 1 Peter 2, verse 9 and 10 talks about how we are royal priests to the holy nation, and that is so that we may proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Christ has given us a gift, and we as believers and as communities of believers have the privilege to go out and share him. The band, you guys can start coming up. The catch that we all have, I think we wait for two things. One, we don't like the people God calls us to speak to. We all suffer from that. And two, we all spend more time praying whether we should be the one to go or is he going to send somebody else. And now, I'm not saying we shouldn't be asking God if we're the ones to talk to those people. But at the same token, if all we're doing is asking God if we should be talking to people and not talking to people, well, then we've missed it. So... Think about the big freeze was a really great example of just being able to see how communities of believers through an event that happened in nature were able to invite people into their home, share Christ, share their stories in our life group and in different friends that we have of how they were able to share the amenities with one another and just love on people. They didn't actually say, hey, Jesus loves you. And I think sometimes we get caught up in that where we go, oh my goodness, I have to physically tell somebody that Jesus loves them. And sometimes we will. But the rate that the world is going to hell, I can tell you now, an unsafe person simply experiencing true love is already eye-opening enough. And is a great, great place to start. An encouraging word, a text to an unsaved coworker, hey, I've just been praying for you. I have a an accent, um, obviously, and I'm not born here, and that has been a blessing, and a, it's not a curse, but it's been a blessing, and sometimes I find it frustrating because everybody always asks me, what am I doing in Austin all the time? And so I can't but have to talk about, hey, we came down here to help friends start a church, this is what we do, but what I've began to develop was I talk about church and not just about Jesus, and Jesus is more than just church. I've spoken a lot today about community, community of believers, and some people around here today may be unsaved or even just struggling and don't feel like, I mentioned, do not feel like they belong or feel included into a community or feel like God cares or God is listening to them. Let me read you this. Psalm 68 says, God sets the lonely in families and he leads out the prisoners with singing. God desires community. That's why he sent his one and only son. We have that benefit of believing in him. We now need to take that out so that others will have that privilege. Can we just bow our heads? Lord, I just say thank you so much for the privilege that we have if we've confessed you as our Lord and Savior and believed in our heart that you are ours and we are yours. We are in community 
with you through Christ. I think sometimes, Father, we take that for granted and we don't realize all that that fully means. And I ask so that you would open our eyes and our hearts that we would begin to understand in greater depths of love and wisdom what that means and how we can strategically and love go and share you with those who don't. We exist to know you, the greatest commandment of them all, to love you and our neighbor. And then the Great Commission, Father, is to take that love to a world that does not know you. Would you give us boldness and courage as we go out from here and go to work, go to school, go cycling, gaming, hunting, whatever the friendship circles we have, whatever the communities that we are a part of, and would we have the boldness to represent you in those communities? It means we'll be different. It means people will actually ask us, hey, how are you able to do these different things or get through these tough times or why are you always so happy or why are you always this? Would you give us in those moments the boldness to speak about you? We don't want to miss any opportunities of sharing who you are. We love you, Lord, and we're grateful, so grateful that you have included us in your family. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, just whilst Tim was sharing, Diana felt like the Lord laid something on her heart to come share with us. You know, as I sat there thinking in, about the wolves and that, there's a poem that says, So now is the law of the jungle as old and as true as the sky. And the wolf that shall keep it may prosper, but the wolf that shall break it must die. For the vine that girdles the tree trunk, the vine runs forward and back. For the strength of the pack is the wolf, and the strength of the wolf is the pack. And what that meant to me is that God's word is old and true. And that the second part was if we keep it, we prosper. But if we don't keep it, the devil can get into us. And like that vine that is so strong, we can put on the armor of God, or we can then have that vine choke us because it came from the devil. And that our strength as a church is going to be us individually being strong in God's word. And the strength of us as individuals are going to be the strength of this church working together. It's just amazing how the Lord just speaks with one voice. Um, I just, can you all please stand?